Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name's Shelley Johnson. I'm the founder and HR consultant at Boldside, where I help leaders build teams people can't wait to join and don't want to leave. If you're in a team that you think needs a bit of a culture reset, DM me on LinkedIn and we can chat about my culture reset workshop. I'm running a whole stack of them this month in Melbourne, in central Queensland, in Sydney and in Newcastle. So if your team needs some work on their culture, hit your leader up or message me and we'll chat. On today's episode, it's just me. We're going to have a one-on-one conversation if you're walking, if you're driving, wherever you are. I've got a bunch of listener questions sent through on LinkedIn and the My Millennial Money Facebook community, so we're going to dig into them today. We'll be covering how you go about leaving a new job, setting career goals, figuring out if leadership is right for you, and how to make a change after working in the one employer for over 10 years. Buckle up for some real talk, baby. Let's do it. Okay, the first question is from Nicole and she says, I just took on a new role and now that I'm here, I've found out the culture is toxic. I would love more advice about moving on or waiting it out. And will it look like job hopping on my resume? First off, I just want to say this is a really tough spot to be in. When you've just started at a new role and then you get in there and it's like you've pulled back the curtains and you're like, oh my gosh, how did I miss this in the interview? What has happened? So I've got a fair bit of advice now. If you're in this spot where you've taken on a new job and you're thinking, oh no, I think I've made a terrible mistake and you've got that sense of like, oh, I don't think this is the right place for me. Well, I want you to do a little bit of self-reflection with me. The first thing I would say to Nicole is that it's normal to have an element of culture shock when you go into a new workplace. Think about it this way. You've just spent the last few years at a workplace where you've gotten used to and acclimatised to all of the behaviours and norms and patterns in that workplace. So then when you go into a new business, a new employer, you're not used to all those little nuances, all those little details. Maybe it's how they do lunches. Maybe it's how they, I know this sounds trivial, but it really does impact you. Maybe they don't do much chit chat, which, you know, in my opinion is glorious, But if you're used to and you've come from an environment where everyone talked about their personal life all the time and then you go into a new work context where it's all business and there's not a lot of small talk, that can feel really disruptive. So I just want to say to Nicole, give yourself a bit of time to understand, is this just me adjusting to the new culture and the new norms Or is the culture actually toxic? Because sometimes we think something's just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. Now, I want to help you diagnose, is it bad culture or is it just different? Because it can be hard to tell sometimes. MIT Sloan published this amazing research and you can Google it. There's heaps of information on the interwebs about this. They put together the five signs of a toxic culture. So this is when it's really bad. 
And the signs are number one, disrespectful, number two, unethical, number three, non-inclusive, number four, cutthroat, and number five, abusive. So they're the five signs when a culture is completely toxic. Now, often when we're talking about toxicity in workplaces, it might not be all of those things demonstrated at once. It might be just one of them, like people aren't inclusive or people are cutthroat and they undermine other people's results to get a good outcome for themselves. Whatever it is, I want you to look for, can you see any signs of those behaviours? And if you can, are they really deeply embedded or is it just pockets of the business? Is it just certain people? And if it's just certain people, is there a way you can raise that with your manager to say, hey, I'm noticing this or I'm coming in with fresh eyes and this is one of the things I've observed. What's your take on it? And by doing that, by having that conversation, you can start to see, is this a normal part of their culture? Are they aware or is it something that's really broadly accepted and it's a pattern of behaviour across lots of different teams and lots of different people in the business? So if you're in an environment, I want you to do that test to work out, is it toxic or is it just that it's new and a little bit uncomfortable? Because new and uncomfortable is normal. But those five toxic behaviours that I mentioned from that MIT Sloan research, and we can put it in the show notes for you, those things are big red flags and things that you should really watch out for. So now let's say that Nicole is identifying and she's gone and done that work and she says, well, no, it is a toxic culture. What do you do about it from there? So you've taken on a new job, you're three months in and you're like, oh no, I've made a terrible mistake. And then this thing starts to happen where you start freaking out because you're like, I think I need to leave, but how is this going to look on my resume? And I want to say to you, if you're in this position where you're in a toxic environment and you start freaking out about how it's going to look on your resume, forget the external stuff for a sec. I don't want you worrying about what does a recruiter think or what is the hiring manager at my next job going to think if I leave after three months. And I want you to think about, is this environment healthy and good for you? Because sometimes we put so much weight on what other people think and we don't pay attention to how are we actually going in this environment? If this is really toxic, if it's got those five behaviours I described, what good is it going to do you staying there for a really long time? I guess my encouragement is if you don't have a pattern of job hopping, if this is an unusual thing for you, let's say the previous job you were in for a few years, the job before that you're in there for five years, then personally, I wouldn't really worry that much about what it looks like on your resume because you've already got a history of working for extended periods of time at previous employers. If you've had a track record of job hopping and only staying at certain jobs for six months at a time, well, yeah, maybe you need to weigh that up more carefully But if it's out of the ordinary or if it's an outlier, I'd say do the thing that's right for you personally over worrying about what it looks like on your resume. And you'll know from previous episodes, one of my big worries is when people overstay in a toxic environment, I think that does a lot more damage for our career in the long term than leaving prematurely. The final piece of advice I'd have on this, I know I'm banging on about it, but I think it's a really good question that a lot of us have to deal with at various points in our career. The final thing is sometimes we look at these situations as a stay or go. And Shane Hutton on a previous episode about having difficult conversations with your manager, go back and listen to that. He said this amazing thing where often we feel like the answer is, I need to 
stay or I need to quit. But really there's three options. We can stay and suck it up. We can quit or we can go and have an honest and authentic conversation and see if we can actually change the environment in our workplace. So I want to encourage you to be brave and have that discussion with your employer. Try and find the third option, which is, can you do something about it? Can you be a catalyst for change in that business? Because if you can, that's a win for everyone. It's a win for you because you don't have to go through another big change of going back through and find a new job. It's good for the business because they get to improve their culture. And it's good for the collective, all those other people who are there, who probably want the same thing as you, who want that culture to improve. All right. Now we've really deep dived on that one. Deep dived. Is deep dived a word? Deep dove? I always think deep dive is such a jargon, like HR thing that people do. Anyway, let's move on. Deep dove. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm giggling to myself. Let's do this. Okay. Next one. Oh, I just had another thought. If you're in a recruitment process at the moment, let's say you're looking for work, you're going to interviews, I just want to help you spot some of the signs or red flags at an interview so you don't have that situation where you get into the job and you realise, oh no, I've made a terrible move coming here. So there's a few red flags. The first is when the hiring manager or the recruiter is really overselling the job. So you kind of get that used car salesman vibe where they're pitching, these are all the benefits and and it kind of feels like, oh, they mustn't have many people available or they must be really struggling to fill this role. And if that's the case, if if you get this sense that they're overselling, that's the first red flag. The second one is the heebie-jeebies, like bad vibes check. And I was listening to Dan Martell on his Instagram. He shared this reel about this thing of like when you get the heebie-jeebies about someone or you get bad vibes that you really need to listen and to that gut check that, oh, something feels a little bit off. Like you can't put your finger on it, but you're just like, I'm not sure about this person or I'm not sure about this employer's culture. So listen to those things because they are often the really good intuition checks that can help you make a bad decision and end up in an employer that isn't right for you. The other thing is, what does their brand feel like? Is there areas of incongruency? Incongruency, it's hard to say. Those zones where you think, oh, they're saying this, they're saying one thing, but their actions don't match that. So they say they really care about people, but then they make lots of sarcastic jokes in the interview at their employee's expense or whatever it is. Just look for signs of where what they're saying doesn't align with what they practice because if you spot those things, that can be telling as well that maybe there's some things that are off in their team dynamic. And the last one, and this is probably personal more than anything, but I have seen this, is where the hiring manager is unwilling to talk about or negotiate at all on pay and benefits. So if they have a really hard line approach to pay and flexibility, that is a bit of a worry to me because I think, I don't know, I don't know why, but I just personally, just a bit of a red flag. I've heard hiring managers at times say things like, we only do team incentives here. We don't do any personal incentives. I get why people do that, but I just don't really understand why 
you wouldn't have flexibility in how you approach your pay and benefits. So if that's the case, and I know for some government organisations, it's all built in, but let's say they're really rigid and they're like, you have to be in the office 100% of the week. I don't really rate that. <laughs> so take, take from what you will of this conversation But I want you to look out for those red flags during the interview process and all the way through the recruitment process. Look at their website, get a good read on their brand, look on their socials, find those areas where they're really promoting certain values and see how that lines up during the interview and recruitment process. See if that thing that they're saying they do is mirrored in their behavior. All right, next question from Matt. I work in tech. I'm planning out my next goal in my career, but not sure what to focus on. Do I set my goal as progressing into a leadership position or do I specialize in my field and niche down? Great, great question. I think a lot of us get to this crossroads where we go, okay, I've been doing my role for a while. Do I want to step into leadership? Do I want to progress in that way? Or do I want to really become super technical in one specific area and really focus on that. Unfortunately, I can't answer the question for you, but I can give you some things to consider if this is you. The first thing I want you to do before you jump into a leadership role is to find ways to test your leadership in other areas. So often people feel like they have to, in their career, land a management role, like it's just the natural path, it's the career ladder that we all feel pressured to climb, and you don't have to do that. Like, I cannot say this enough, like you do not have to follow that old school traditional career path. But if you have this kind of, oh, maybe I would like to get into leadership at some point, try it out in other ways. So you might ask or put your hand up to lead a project and you get to practice those leadership skills. Or you might put your hand up to run a particular event and host it and run from end to end the whole process. You might do a bit of public speaking in it or whatever, but get some exposure to leadership skills where it's low risk. So you're not just going straight for the role and the promotion without having tested it first to see if you even enjoy it and to see what parts of it you like and what parts you don't like. The other thing I want you to do is look at what do you love in your role? Like what do you actually love to do? What are the parts of your role that light you up and really engage you? I was running a leadership workshop with a tech business and they were telling me one of the challenges is they've come from that technical space and stepped into a leadership position or kind of almost fallen into it because the business had grown really quickly. And they said one of the big challenges is it's taken them away from the work that they love. Like they loved being on the tools. They loved solving those complex code issues You can tell I don't know much about the technical parts of um, software development, but bear with me. And they were saying now they feel like all they're dealing with is people problems and they want to go back to dealing, being more on the tools and dealing with those tech issues, not all the HR and people issues that come with leading a team. So I feel like that is a really normal and regular problem people face when they kind of get pushed into a leadership role without really thinking What do I love about my job? If you love the people side of your job, if you love dealing with messy people and team dynamics, then I think you're probably going to be suited for leadership because that's essentially what leadership is. It's dealing with all manner of team dynamics. It's helping a team to do their best work, 
but you're not going to be on the tools as much. So working out if you let that part of your role go, will you still feel like you're getting energy? Where do you feel like you'll be getting your energy from? The last thing I'd say in response to Matt's question is I feel like in his question, he's saying, I don't know what to do. Should I set my goal as being leadership or should I niche down and become more specialized in a particular area of tech? I want to say to you, Matt, it is okay to trial and error this whole thing. Like you can go for a leadership role and find out I'm not that into this and make a change later. You have, I don't know how many years, like heaps of years to figure it out. You don't have to feel like I have to nail this right now and have the answers. I feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get these goals right. But the whole thing about your career is it's, I don't know how long, is it 40 years? I think it's like 45 years we're going to be working for, which is so long. So you can test and learn. You can put your hat in the ring for a role, find out you don't like it and do something else. All of this to say, do some reflection, but then if you think, well, I'm not really sure of the answer, just try it and then make a change if it's not right for you. All right, I've got one more question about confidence and this is a really good question. I think you all need to hang around and listen to this because building confidence is so important at whatever stage you're at in your career. We're going to go to a quick break and when we come back, I'm going to dig into it. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audiobook, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. 45 Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So Zainab has sent through a question that's so good. I feel like this is so relevant for all of us, wherever we're at in our career, we all have these moments. She says, I've been in my role for 10 years and I feel stuck. I don't feel confident about moving on as I've been here for so long. I'm worried I've fallen behind other people who've had more experience across other employers and industries. I feel like a recruiter would look at my resume and see me as not having enough experience. The biggest thing in reading Zainab's question is the self-confidence. So I can hear a lot of self-doubt and comparison. And that's my concern. I'm worried that I've fallen behind other people 
for me, as I think about her experience being 10 years at the one employer, I'm not the slightest bit concerned about being in the one employer for 10 years. In fact, I think that is an awesome thing. That makes Zainab an outlier because a lot of people are moving on after three years. And when you stick at something for 10 years, you develop grit, you show that you're committed to the mission, you are someone who is resilient, that can stick it out when other people would just bail. There's so many good things in sticking out one employer for 10 years. And it's so funny to me because I think the internal narrative that I'm not good enough It comes out for all of us at various points in an interview or recruitment process. And I think the person on the flip side who's had multiple job changes, they experience the exact same thing just in reverse. So often their internal narrative will be, I'm not good enough because I've had short-term employment engagements. I haven't stuck it out past four years or three years or whatever it is. And we say the exact same thing, which is essentially... I'm not good enough. And I think we have to break that self-talk of I'm not good enough. And we have to think about what is the strength in my story? I want to say it again. What is the strength in your story? So for Zaina, what I see, and I've already mentioned it, but I'm going to say it again. Here's the strength in working in one company for 10 years. And I'd write all these positives down so that you start to live and breathe them. So they start to become something you genuinely believe about yourself. So number one, grit. You've developed grit. If you're stuck with one employer, you've seen the good, bad and ugly of that employer. And so you've worked to stick it out. And that is a skill that employers love. Number two, you've been super invested and committed to the mission. So you've shown that commitment over years of service. Number three, you've navigated all manner of changes. In 10 years, employers go through so much change. They've probably had like three restructures at least. You've gone through a number of jobs, a number of managers, and you've still remained committed. The other thing is you've gone all in. So you've had this positive mindset. You've gone all in with this one company and they have got their return on investment. Because if employers only keep someone for two years, they don't get a return on investment or maybe a really small one for how long it takes to train up an employee. But if an employee stays with an employer for three, four, five years, the returns increase over time. So I just want to tell you, Zainab, you need to start finding the strength in your own career story. There are so many good things about being long-term employed by the one company. And for anyone who's the reverse, so anyone who's had a number of job changes and feels like that's a bad thing, here's how I would sell it. So again, I'm telling you, go and find the strength in your career story, write down the positives, reflect on them until you start to believe, oh yeah, that is true. Because I'm telling you, these things are true. So if you've had a number of job changes, here's the top few areas of strength. Number one, you can deal with change. You're adaptable and flexible which is something employers love. Number two, you've got the diversity of experience. So you can come in and share how different businesses do the same thing in different ways. And you can talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of both of those experiences. Number three, you're a fast learner. So if you've had a lot of different employment experiences, you've had to learn fast. You've had to pick up the skills really quickly. You've had to learn the nuances of new culture, new ways of working. 
And so sell that as being one of your big strengths. And the final one is that you can build rapport and relationships quickly. So your career experience has taught you that when you jump into a new environment, you need to build connections quickly to get stuff done. So sell that, talk about that. And I guess my final piece of advice on this episode is if you're struggling at the moment with your confidence and you feel like it's holding you back in your career and it's stopping you from taking that next step, do this exercise. Go and write down what are the strengths in my career story? What are the things that I've experienced that show how I learn, how I deal with failure, how I create big wins for my employer? Go and do that, write it down and remind yourself so that you can start to reframe those areas of self-doubt and look at your own career and go, here's the awesome experiences I've had, here's what I've learned and here's the value that I bring at work. All right, so much in this episode and thanks for hanging out and thanks to everyone who's been messaging me on LinkedIn with their questions. Let's connect, that's where I hang out or on Instagram, you can follow me at Boldside Consulting. As always, if you love the show, give us a five-star rating and review. And I'm super stoked to hear from people on LinkedIn about how they're finding the episode. So message me. I love, love, love hearing your feedback. Thanks for hanging out. See ya. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money and our Spotify exclusive show, My Millennial Daily. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.